Rick Melmer, <laughs> we have known each other a long time, mm -hmm. and the conversation we are um, going to engage with is South Dakota leadership and the partnership that is with the South Dakota Hall of Fame. But before we jump into that, um, how did you find yourself in this position with South Dakota leadership? How did you get there? Uh, well, it probably goes back to about 2013. My wife and I were uh, visiting some friends in Wyoming uh, that we knew and enjoyed. And uh, Dan, our friend from Chugwater, Wyoming, had just finished a, a Leadership Wyoming program. And mm. he was raving about uh, the program and the impact that it had on him. He wanted to run for state office. He eventually did, and he won and served in the state legislature in Wyoming. Uh, but he talked about the impact that that program had on his current life and current position. And so uh, my wife and I drove home from Wyoming, which was a long drive, and we <laughs> talked about it for a long time. Uh, and then I just started to slowly reach out to people uh, in South Dakota that had influence. South Dakota Community Foundation, a couple of our gold sponsors, First Premier Bank and Sanford. And they just really encouraged me to say, mm. this is a program mm. we... I think we, th we think our state needs mm -hmm. a program that would be good for our state. And that was in 2013, and our first class started in 2014. And we're going to be uh, bringing our eighth class in this fall. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. That's because you had to start it from the ground floor, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, but we had models. You know, other states right. were up and running. So Wyoming was instrumental in helping us get started, okay. and Montana was instrumental in helping us get started. So we talked to states that we thought were kind of like us, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. big rural states that mm -hmm. had a lot of distance between communities, mm -hmm. and just said, how do you do it? And then we used their model, kind of tweaked it to fit South Dakota, and we were off and running. So that scenario of how you decided to take this next step in your life, how do you teach that? to people in what you do because what you was that you know you've had some successions obviously in your career so making that next leap to South Dakota leadership what did that mm -hmm. look like so that you could teach it yeah so one of the things we do in uh, leadership South Dakota is we have what we call two-minute messages where we mm. encourage people to speak on a topic and one of the topics is a time when my life changed for the better Okay. And so we ask everybody to uh, bring a topic to share. And you would be surprised in our group of 40 how many of them talked about a time when I took a chance that made no sense. It didn't mm -hmm. really add up, but I did it because I was passionate about it and my life's been better ever since. And so I think a lot of times people start to hear that and many of them are going, you know, I have that same feeling. I, I feel like I want to do this, but I'm now doing this. And it isn't always about switching jobs. It might be about running for office and staying in your current job, or it might be starting a nonprofit and staying in your current job. So it isn't always about leaving jobs. But, but I think it's like trying to get people in touch with what are you passionate about, and then are you mm -hmm. spending your time investing in those areas. So I, I feel like when they hear other people's stories, they start to think, maybe I can do that too. Um, because the more we hear it, the more we start to believe that maybe, maybe that fits for me as well. So part of what we want to talk about is exactly that, is when people hear other stories. And, you know, we know we've known each other a long time, and um, you've watched me, mm -hmm. and I've watched you, and we've moved into different um, professions or, you know, different positions. 
So obviously the Hall of Fame is on steroids when it comes to telling stories right. and making those connections. So um, how does that become in your work um, tangible? Because, you know, the day-to-day -day get things done um, within the context of the organization or, you know, if you're a one-person show or, you know, if you're on the assembly line, how do you convince people that stories matter? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, as I uh, just said, I think, I think modeling that for folks in the class and saying, the, a phrase that we like to use in the program is you don't know someone until you know their story. Uh, because there are times when we disagree with people and we, we'd like to think that we're a group every year that's pretty eclectic. Uh, we bring a lot of different perspectives to the table, political parties and views, rural and urban if there is such a thing in South Dakota uh, as urban. We have people that are from Sioux Falls and Rapid. We have folks from really small communities. And I feel like at times we don't understand each other very well. And uh, then, you know, if you start to allow people to open up and tell their stories to people in our class, and then we say to folks, you should be doing this in your organizations too. Mm -hmm. If you have a team of five or six people, mm -hmm. you should know their story as well. And uh, I, we were, we've been surprised how often people will tell us after class or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. I don't even, I know people in this class better than I know some of my coworkers, and that yeah. needs to change. I remember a conversation I had with one of our class members who said that. Yeah. I know people in this class better than I know some of my coworkers, and that's gonna change in my organization. I'm gonna take some time to learn about people through one-on-one -on -one meetings, through team meetings where we share collectively. So I feel like we just need to challenge our, our leaders to go back to their organizations and take the time to learn about mm. the folks in their organization, their real stories, because it helps them understand why they do what they do and think the way they do. So let's talk a little bit about mm. your story. So um, our partnership, the Hall and South Dakota Leadership, you and I um, crossed paths when you were on the board mm -hmm. and um, we crossed paths when you were the state librarian, which I had to kind of help you understand. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you translated some things for me, which were help, was helpful. Uh, that's what librarians do <laughs> translate, um, and no stories. But you also, your father-in-law, who um, passed away recently, mm -hmm. was an inductee. So you've been on the board. Mm -hmm. You have a family member involved in our organization. Your um, spouse's uh, father. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about that story with the hall. Yeah. Well, I mean, my, yeah, my father-in-law encouraged me to be on the board, uh, which I was grateful for. So he and I were on the board together for a period of time. Gordy. Uh, Gordy Fosnes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then he passed away in December. And uh, one, of the, one of the things that um, you know, struck me then, of course, we were well into Leadership South Dakota by, by then, but uh, at his funeral, um, you know, he was a pretty decorated basketball coach, yes. college basketball yes, coach. Yes, um, and uh, he won, I think, over 300 games, uh, was a conference champion a dozen or more times, two national tournament berths at this little college, Dakota Wesleyan in Mitchell, yeah. South Dakota. Yeah. So he had quite a career. And it was interesting, at his funeral uh, in December, there was not a single mention about how many games he won, 
how many conference championships they won, how many national tournaments they, they went to. Not a single discussion about that. It was all about the impact he had on the lives of other people. And so it was just a good reminder to me that as we get uh, later on in our careers, yeah. uh, people are going to remember the impact you had on them personally. Not so much what you did, um, because there's things that you did as a librarian in Rapid City or in the hall today. There's things that I did as a school superintendent or secretary of education, you know, that really anybody could have done uh, if they were in the chair. We happened to be there, so we did them. Uh, it's really like, did we have an impact on the individual lives of people? That's what people remember. And it was just, it just struck me at that funeral, like there was no discussion about, like, remember that game that, no, nobody talked about the games, nobody talked about the championships. They talked about a time they got a note, a time you stopped by to visit, a time when you picked up the phone and called them. And it was just a good reminder for me that in the role that I'm in now with Leadership South Dakota is like, are we making the difference in the lives of people that are in the program? In your case, in the hall, are we celebrating the lives of those people that uh, had that kind of impact? And are we telling those stories so that other people can do the same thing? I think that's why you're doing what you're doing and why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. So you could have been a librarian. I could, I could have been a librarian. I would have been a pretty poor librarian, but I could have been, I could have been one maybe. So, uh, right. Yeah. But, but I feel like that's kind of, yeah. I'd be interested in your thoughts on that, Greta, that you know, I feel like that's your role is to tell the stories. Now, most of the folks that are in the hall are well-accomplished people. They did a lot of earthly things that everybody would recognize as being important. But most of the time, they've had this individual impact on people around them that really was really significant. I think you've um, really put uh, the emphasis on what, what this means. And I think you and I are both working that in a way that perhaps is in a bigger picture than this state has seen. And I would say the timing of that is essential. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're in times when the divisions that we have need to be talked through in a way where you started with you don't know them till you know their story mm -hmm. and we seem to have lost our way with knowing people's stories yeah i think the other thing that has been incredibly rewarding in the same context um, these are people inductees have to do what everybody has to do every day which is get up get going and take care of yourself in a way, both mental and physical. And thank goodness we're talking much more about the mental side of the house. Mm -hmm. um, they have to do all of those things. And I think it's hard for people to see through to that because they have done, as you've said, all these earthly things. Mm -hmm. You know, they've got titles, they've got um, a large footprint. Yeah, accomplishments that are right. noteworthy. Right. right, and so there's this automatic assumption that how could I possibly have a conversation or how could I achieve at that level? And I do think mission-wise, you know, to champion a culture of excellence, and I've said it over and over again, is about the day-to-day -day blood, sweat, and tears. And that's the way that I've approached um, the work with and the privilege of um, the inductee stories and the programs that we offer is that this is an inclusive, everyday possibility. And there, 
you know, it's rare that they're that an inductee would not want to be able to offer that uh, conversation to other people. And so we're really trying to dissipate those barriers that people have about title and money. Yeah. yeah. The, the other thing we're trying to do is culturally um, works for and against us. It's the double-edged sword is that you don't say too much about your successes. Um, and yet, we work very hard at saying, if we don't share this story, your successes will have far less of an impact. Mm -hmm. Because we're all going. Nobody gets out alive. Right. And so in some cases, it's, it's an easy conversation to have that it's about your story is for the purpose of others to have opportunities, mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, tell me, Rick, what this is all about. Um, but at the same time, it still has a way to go with the importance of sharing the story, which I think you've been working yeah. on. Yeah, we've, we've been surprised again in the class about how often uh, folks have used adversity to help them yeah, uh, get to a new and better place. And uh, that's the other thing that I think we don't do a good enough job of in general is celebrating some of the challenges that people have because it's contributed to who they are today. And without the challenge, uh, we, I wouldn't be where I am, you know, th those kinds of stories that we hear a lot of. And, I've, and I think we've done a, a better job recently in our program of really helping people embrace those and saying, you see what, what this is all about is that challenge you faced 10 years ago has made you who you are today. And I feel like I'll bet there's a lot of awesome stories at the Hall of Fame level too of, we, we see all these successes, but what about some of the challenges that they faced early in their life that they overcame and, and it helped them become who they are. So maybe mm. you've just described my personality. <laughs> you, you are an overcomer. And I think some people like to, like to see, like they welcome challenges and they look mm -hmm. at them as opportunities to solve the problem and push through it. Um, and not everybody's built that way, but I think there are those that are and, mm -hmm. and oftentimes they have a good story to tell. Um, I think what I heard you say in that context is we don't necessarily share those challenges as often or as much as we yeah, should do that. Right. So when it, it's, it's your work and our work and this partnership that um, I think it really goes to, look, sharing those challenges is a form of endearment, and everybody gets to mm -hmm. decide. I, I tend to start there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh -huh. I, uh, that would be the West in me. Right. And then the Midwest in me tries to set back then and say, uh, what do you want to share? Mm -hmm. You know, and let people, but I think it's a door opener in the sense of, and you mentioned it, you know, you hear other people's story. Nobody, Nobody gets through life without many right. challenges, and it's some of those challenges in both mental and physical health are prevalent. They're everywhere, mm -hmm. and yet, right? You know. Yeah, you brought up something else that I that I hope both of our programs try to to do is bridge the east-west uh, divide in South Dakota. We joke about it a lot. Uh, the the river divides more than just you know two bodies of land, but it really has a sort of a cultural division in our state as well. And I, 
we have, we have several examples of class members, uh, one from East and one from West, who've gotten to know each other and have formed a really nice friendship, and in some cases, business connections yeah. through our class. Yeah, and, and of course, we, we know those things happen. It's not like they don't happen. But, but oftentimes, we sort of underestimate the difference between the two ends of our state and anything we can do and you folks can do to bring us closer together and recognize we're all on the same team, uh, we're all pulling on the same rope, and we all have the same goals and aspirations in mind would be a good thing for the two organizations to mm -hmm. keep in mind. Well, and I would say to you that the folks in the central part of the state, because we both have statewide boards, yeah. they remind us, yeah. this isn't an issue for us. Right. It's just the two ends that have the problem. Mm -hmm. In the middle, we make things happen all the time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I do think that when you cross over that river, I don't know if it's a chip. <laughs> I don't know what happens. chip, yeah. Right. <laughs> I have no idea what happens when you cross. But even I feel like my guns are going on the, on uh -huh. the front of the car versus, you know, <laughs> something happens. Right, right. So um, just kind of wrapping things up, I, you know, one of the reasons why, and thank you for doing this, mm -hmm. um, you know, both of us have talked about uh, it, our succession in mm -hmm. these positions and in doing so we really want to solidify this partnership in a way that says uh, this needs to be um, and by sharing this information hopefully what it does is it really um, emphasizes the um, intentions um, in a way that who comes after us can take that and decide their value, but really to commemorate the value in a way that isn't about Rick or Greta, mm -hmm. but right. it's about what the missions of the organizations are. Mm -hmm. I mean, would you? Yeah, I would agree your with perspective? that. Perspective? Yeah, and one of the early visions that we had for Leadership South Dakota was uh, understanding our past, creating our future. So you can't create a future until you have a good understanding of where you've been. And to me, that's where the Hall of Fame comes in, is that we have speakers in front of our class that have been in our state, have accomplished significant things, can share stories about here's why we did what we did 30 years ago, 20 years ago. I mean, one of our most compelling presentations that actually had to be on Zoom because of the pandemic was Don Barnett talking about the yeah. 1972 Rapid yeah. City flood. Yeah. You know, most, most of our class members weren't even born then, exactly. or if they were, they were super young. And they were just uh, taken back with the story. And you, you have to know, I, if you're a South Dakota person long term, right. you have to know about the Rapid City Flood of 1972. And if you don't know anything about it, you're missing something about our state. The resiliency, uh, the renewal that happens when a part of a community is devastated and it's rebuilt into something beautiful and productive that the city of Rapid City is celebrating today. Uh, it's just a really neat story and it's a very huge part of our history. And we just don't do a good job of telling those things. Well, that's where the Hall of Fame comes in. You have folks that have lived it, and and if we and I know you're capturing those stories and trying to do your best to do that. That needs to continue to happen because our younger leaders need to hear those mm -hmm. stories and know that through adversity, good things can happen. And I would also give a shout out to SDPB because um, that partnership that we have as well, you know. Our stories interconnect with their stories, and we just build this bigger picture. Mm 
um, this bigger historical footprint that really does exactly what you described. Anything we didn't get to? Or? No, we're grateful for the partnership, uh, Greta. We think we represent the bookends. You, resent, mm -hmm. you represent those that have gone before us, have accomplished significant things, and you're telling their story. We're trying to create more candidates for the Hall of Fame by, yes, by investing in young leaders, uh, younger leaders yeah. or leaders that are on their way uh, on their journey, leadership journey, and we're trying to invest in them that they in turn can make those same contributions in the future. So. I'm grateful for the partnership, thankful for your support and your friendship, and let's keep it going. Thank you for listening. To learn more about the South Dakota Hall of Fame and these dream chasers, visit our website at www.sdexcellence.org and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.